Today on The Topping Show, Ron DeSantis breaks Twitter and Trump makes a parody of it. California might ban Skittles. LA Dodgers invite drag nuns to the game. Best Buy and NVIDIA stocks jump. Adobe to add AI into their offerings. And LA offices have a all-time high vacancy rate. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topic Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I gotta say their, hand, their founder is quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, use a little assistance to reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Best Buy showing record results they beat Wall Street's expectations for their fiscal Q1, which is, of course, one of the most important things if you're publicly traded, causing their stock to rise 2% up to $69.92 per share. Now, the CEO, Corey Berry, said that they don't expect this to go up forever. He noted that shoppers are facing higher prices of housing, food, fuel, and they're making trade-offs when it comes to purchasing items and skipping others, which is a very nice PC way of saying no one's need. very few people need what we sell. In terms of my experience at the Best Buy, in terms of your average consumer doesn't need to have electronic doodads and whiz-bangs. Realistically, you need food, shelter, fuel. All of the other things are luxuries. I know Best Buy has diversified their portfolio throughout the years. They've added washing machines, refrigerators, but it's still not what they're known for. And most people I talk to, that's not the compelling reason they go to the Best Buy. Most often they go to Best Buy because they have a issue with tech and they don't want to wait for Amazon. So they go on Best, go to Best Buy and they pick up an HDMI cord or a power charger for a laptop, which I almost think they're losing that value add of that brick and mortar because last time I went to Best Buy in the past couple of years, I needed an HDMI cord. They didn't have any in stock, which those things, relatively speaking, cost nothing in terms of the cost for them to procure it. And the cost to store it is basically nothing as well because it takes up basically no real estate in the store. When you think of what's the price per hosting an item, well, a washing machine, that's going to cost a lot in terms of storing it in the store because it's taking out, it takes out a large square footage of the store floor plan. An HDMI card is a small little box on a shelf and you can pack them deep as in you can have multiple multiples of them on the same hook or rack. How they didn't have that in stock is beyond me. And again, I should have just went to Walmart because they actually have a lot of the staples you might need for electronics. I think that's the bigger threat to Best Buy is more and more consumers have purchasing consolidation as they go to less stores to buy more things. Now, other positive businesses, you have NVIDIA. They are the best card company. They make the best graphic cards. Brilliant engineering, bar none. Their stocks went up 26% as they reported their fiscal Q1 2024 earnings on Wednesday this week. Now, the revenue was $7.19 billion versus the Wall Street expected $6.52 billion. And if you're publicly traded, that is the best thing you could possibly do for your shareholders and Wall Street is just knock their socks off because that exponentially boosts confidence in the company, which is why everyone is buying the stock now, which is why the stock's increasing because they're doing better than they thought they would. It sounds silly, but that is one of the most important things about being a publicly traded company. Now, their data center sales went up exponentially. They hit $4.28 billion in data center sales compared to the expected $3.9 billion sales. 
Now, my IT company that I own, which it, they, we actually have a partnership where we sell a lot of cards for their servers. Such, let's say you buy a server made by Hewlett Packard Enterprise, Lenovo, or Dell, what have you. If you have a lot of graphic design needs, if you're an architect firm, marketing, what have you, you'll buy upgraded graphics cards and slap those suckers in there. Well, I say slap, engineers delicately placed and all that kind of stuff. You get what I mean. But the data center, a lot of consumers don't know where it is. It's where the internet hides, some might say. It's where you go to the fancy controlled room where you have racks upon racks for racks of server storage and networking. And it's a big part of their business as well as a lot of people just know NVIDIA because laptops, they'll sometimes say the sticker where if it's a good laptop, they'll have an NVIDIA graphics card on it. But a big part of their data of their sales is the data center. Now, this is also thanks to a large part because of the AI demand. And just like the cloud, there's real stuff on the other end of all these things. Remember, there's no cloud, it's someone else's computer, someone else's server. Fun little sticker I need to buy one of these days, I keep seeing it. But at the end of AI, at the very end of the day, there is hardware somewhere. You might not own it, more often than not you don't. It's hosted by somewhere else, by someone else. But you do need hardware to make it work, and that's where NVIDIA is putting a lot of their engineering resources. They're actually designing, manufacturing, and licensing these products to support AI initiatives. You saw the same thing when they actually made a dedicated card just for Bitcoin mining, because everyone was buying these cards and rudimentarily, simply put, they were using them for Bitcoin mining, but they were not engineered specifically for that application. So they actually came out with one that was specifically was, which was of course more efficient at that job because it was designed for it. Now they're going to have a big rise in sales continue with the AI. Will it kind of peter out like blockchain and all the Bitcoin stuff? Maybe. I think there's firstly a lot more business applications with AI, especially when it comes to customer support. And there's, there's a lot of benefits to his applications. So I think this will grow as well, which is still astonishing to think that even in the past five months, Nvidia stock has increased 109%. And again, I'm not a financial analyst, I don't give financial advice. I'll just say hindsight, shoot, I wish I bought some. Granted, I just reinvest everything I make back to my IT company myself, because that's the ultimate gamble is betting on yourself in the business and your employees and your team. Now, other interesting business use, you have Adobe. They announced that they're going to be putting AI into their products. Now, specifically, they're going to put their generative AI called Firefly, which users will be able to alter pictures using text-based commands, which is a huge value add for consumers. Because traditionally, my Photoshop skills are Microsoft Paint, decades of experience, bar none. And if you look at some of the earlier videos I did where I chop it up into the segments by category, which I did last Monday, or earlier this week, this Monday, you'll see it's just, you know, copy paste. That, that's my skill set. Now, if this AI is so advanced in terms of they can understand my input, that I can just type the things I want it to do, if it works exactly as they're saying, that's gonna be revolutionary because you're not going to need a degree or an advanced skill set to use Adobe. Historically speaking, you need some training because it has a, it's a good product. It has a lot of bells and whistles. There are infinite amount of features you can use on there. So the learning curve is a little bit more advanced because there are so many, there's just a plethora of capabilities. If this works as, it might even get to the point where I buy that software and use it for my company and the podcast. If it's that good, but then the machines might take over and Sarah Connor might need to be called. But nevertheless, for the short term, it might be a good idea. Now, it also says that be able to add and remove objects as needed and understand other commands. Adobe says that the AI is a quote, quote, co-pilot, 
not a substitute for human designers, which sure for now, but if the AI can get more and more advanced where you can actually tell it, they have, uh, I believe, a chat GDP and other programs and kit softwares, you actually have people who will tell them, hey, I want you to make a picture. I mean, uh, Tim Fool, really great podcaster, he's made a couple parodies of Trump and Biden where he says, I want a picture of Trump going Super Saiyan reference Dragon Ball Z, and it'll generate the image for him all on its own. Why isn't Adobe doing that right now? Adobe is the industry leader when it comes to Photoshop and image editing capabilities. Will they go that far? Time shall tell. Other concerns that people are coming to the forefront is the concern around deep fakes and what will maybe Adobe will create something to combat that. Now, maybe they'll have some type of authenticity initiative or certificate so that you know that certain things will be altered. That in and of itself is gonna be a huge gold mine of technology. We're getting to the point where Photoshop and just all these images, you have voice generation modules where it's gonna become harder and harder to tell the real world from the fake world. You're gonna need technology to tell you, is it, did this presidential candidate really say that? Did this CEO really say that? Is this a picture of the CEO with this person? Is that real? If you can have superior technology to tell you if it's authentic or not, that's gonna be a gold mine. Then multiple people, governments, and companies will buy that, just no questions asked. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have California on track to ban Skittles, which of course is the rainbow. And not to be biased, I shouldn't say I hate Skittles, but when I was a child, they had a commercial with Skittles where if you took a Skittle and you planted it in the soil, a tree would grow and that tree in and of itself would bear Skittles. So the tree, instead of having apples or whatever fruits out there, you would have Skittles and you shake the tree and get infinite Skittles for free. Now, I'm sad to say that when I planted those Skittles in my yard and I watered them for several days as a child, no Skittle tree came. So part of me still has a disdain for Skittles in full transparency to this day because the Skittles tree was not real. Alas. Nevertheless, California might be banning them ironically. Now, it's on track to be banned because they say that it could hurt child reproductive capabilities. So California is a state where currently, the, the way the law is currently written and enforced, kids can change their gender without parental consent. Again, these are kids under 18 and they just go to the doctor, get a script. Parents do not need to consent in that state. So that's okay. They can get drugs that can castrate them, but they can't have Skittles because they might. That's the logic and the culture is they agree with this because that is what they, they vote for and that's what they're doing. Now, the logic behind the ban, again, they're saying they want to, the bill specifically prohibits the manufacture, sale, or distribution of products containing, containing titanium dioxide, potassium bromate, red dye number three, brom brominated vegetable oil, or propylparaphylin. All things I can barely pronounce and probably aren't good for you, but it's a strange culture in California where this bill, so I, got, I believe got passed their Senate, this very well, very well may become a banned substance in California where you can get all types of drugs at a moment's notice. And many of the laws around most drugs there aren't even enforced. So it's strange to see the cultural evolution, devolution, devolving. There's probably a good, th good word I could look up on the thesaurus to most accurately represent the situation, but 
it's interesting to see how things change throughout the history of California. And they're very inconsistent, in my opinion, on their policies. Now, other interesting cultural news with California, you have the LA Dodgers, which I did do some research. They are a BS baseball team, baseball, baseball team. I don't know if they've won anything because I've heard their name and I barely watched baseball to begin with. But apparently they've been around since 1883. Yeah, 1883. May need to do better on their marketing apparently because I barely heard of them. Nevertheless, the team got in some hot water, somewhat self-inflicted. So they've decided to invest, invite drag nuns to their games. Now this is baseball, I mean, what was it? Apple pie, Chevrolet, and baseball was America. And I guess drag nuns. Now, the team initially disinvited that group of activists because obviously religious people saw big offense. It is a parody of religion, especially Catholics and Christians. It's disgusting. And I say that because I've seen videos of this group. They use the cross as a stripper pole. How they... And it boggles the mind of the cultural decay where the United States used to respect religion and people used to have the common courtesy to actually respect each other's religion. And this is not a comedic thing. They fully believe in this culture that they're embracing. And it's obviously disgustingly offensive. Nuns, it's the antithesis of what a nun is. Nuns are conservative in terms of their clothing, their ideology. They don't. They obviously don't sleep around or reveal themselves or pole dance. But the team said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna invite them because that makes sense for baseball. They disinvited them because Catholics and conservatives said, well, wait a minute, what, how, is this, how is this family friendly? And you're saying, you know, baseball is a family friendly event. And this group is called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which should further prove my point that they have nothing to do with religion when biggest mind virus in the United States these days is perhaps self-indulgence. Very few people actually these days seem to make sacrifices or go without or hustle for a living or work exceptionally hard. Self-indulgence and self-worship has become a theme these days, unfortunately. But when the team disinvited them, they pissed off a bigger group that has much more cultural say these days, which is the LGBT group, which I know there's a lot of diverse opinions on trans versus drag versus that group some people are putting them together some people are bifurcating the few i think they're personally i think it's i think it's different and i especially want to say in terms of my personal opinion i'm especially confused why again this is one group that seems to just focus on making fun of religion not in a stand-up comedian way but just utter disdain for the practice of it and it is just bizarre but because Cultural speaking, especially in LA and California, that group has apparently businesses, teams, just culturally, they care more about that group than religious. Because at the end of the day, that's who they chose to side with. Now, Senator Marco Rubio even wrote to MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred questioning how including this group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, could be quote unquote inclusive and welcoming, as MLB said. To, how's, how could that be inclusive and welcoming to Christians while also having the team honor a group that, quote, mocks Christians through diabolical, diabolical parodies of our faith, unquote. Which is true. Look at any of these videos. They're, 
dressing up as Jesus and Jesus in drag and the apostles in drag. And again, it's in no which way respectful of the religion or religious ideology enemies. It just boggles the mind that, again, this is another interesting note in the culture of the United States. And it's gotten to the point where Catholics and Christians are the only group that have no protection and no one cares about. It used to be that most businesses, people, would respect other people's religion. And I'm one of those people where I might not be a certain religion, I might not be, example, for Jewish, but I have a lot of respect for that faith and I find it fascinating and I like to learn about their perspectives. And it's one of the things where I always tell people religion is a great, depending on your belief, it's either a tool or an invention. And at the end of the day, it adds a huge amount of overwhelming good for humanity because it gives people an exceptional blueprint for how to be a good person. At the end of the day, that's how I think a lot of people see the Ten Commandments and the ideologies. Even if you don't believe in religion, it gives people a great blueprint of just the golden rule. Just be a good person, which these, day, these days, even if people just follow one or two of the commandments, I'd be impressed. But it boggles the mind that nowadays just religion is the bottom of the barrel in terms of what society seems to care about in the United States. And culturally speaking, I think that's a little concerning considering how that's the, how the country was founded. But time shall be held to see if this culture evolves in any other way, and maybe religion hopefully makes a comeback, and you have more mutual respect all around. Time shall tell. It'd be nice if people respect religion like they did back in the day and give them a modicum of respect. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Ron DeSantis breaking Twitter. Now, during his attempted live stream with Elon Musk, there were a myriad of technical difficulties. And again, one of the big issues I had was there's no video still. It's not 1999. Even Mark Cuban made his money with broadcast.com or .net. And that was one of the first successful business ventures that transmitted images, or rather video, over the internet. We've had that capability since before the dot-com boom in 2000. And when you're having a presidential nominee giving the most important speech in his life, you'd want to see him, and you want to see him articulate, pontificate, really just show how excited he is to have this once-in-a-lifetime experience. But it turns out, even without video, which means the bandwidth used in terms of how much internet and network capabilities you need to have so many people on, the, on simultaneously enjoying the, enjoying the entertainment, it still crashed. And there were multiple difficulties. They even had an issue where, so Elon was on, I forget, the, I believe they called it a Twitter stream. And the moderator, who was asking Ron DeSantis a couple questions, he was right next to Elon physically. And it was just a simple thing where their microphones were catching interference because they're so close to each other. Which, if you want a fun, fun home experience to uh, annoy people, is take two cell phones, call each other, just move them closer, 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 and the signals go back and forth, back and forth. That's perhaps one of the most juvenile yet hilarious, um, I don't know if it's a prank, but something silly you can do as a child, I remember from the flip phone days, which perhaps dates me quite a bit. But there's an issue where the host muted himself on and off a couple of times. Again, it crashed, which Twitter's been around forever to not have the infrastructure in place is also embarrassing for Elon. And hashtag disaster was trending on Twitter, even today, yesterday and today. So he said DeSantis is disaster, which that's pretty good for a pun, and I appreciate a good pun. Now, 
Trump was much more opportunistic with this situation, so he actually took the situation and made a parody of it and posted it on Truth Social, which is a alternative social media company I believe he invested in or co-founded one of the two. And he brilliantly photoshopped some pictures in there so that when you see the Twitter stream, you see the pictures, like the profile pictures of all the people who are in attendance and you can see if they're a speaker, if they're just listening. And he photoshopped in most of the controversial folks that you've heard of. You got George Soros, who's um, kind of the antithesis of Elon, where Elon tries to help humanity and really do good for the world. And George Soros is known for funding district attorneys who don't, don't prosecute crime at all. And you also have, hilariously, you have Dick Cheney, who's realistically known for shooting his friend in the face. That's I know he's also George W. Bush VP, and he, you know, he built Halliburton being CEO. But nevertheless, that's a lot of people know him for. You have Klaus Schwab. You have you had the devil. You had FBI, and you had Hitler. So. Already, it's pretty comical in terms of they switched out all the faces for those. And of course, they used AI to actually make it sound like the voices were real. So let me go ahead and we'll play a little bit of that. It's not too long, it's only about two minutes, but it's, it's quite entertaining in terms of the meme culture we have and political culture we have. It was a brilliant political decision with Trump because, one, it points out the weaknesses from DeSantis' announcement, both technological-wise as well as his voice just being extremely monotone ethic so it points out that but it also kind of pokes fun of i'm the opposite say what you want about trump but he is energetic and he does not need a teleprompter teleprompter now let's uh, go ahead and play for a little bit hi everyone welcome to our ron DeSantis twitter space hello is my microphone working correctly george can you just wait while we hello can you hear me we can all hear you george can you just hold on for a second I don't think they can hear me. <coughs> I can hear you fine, George. Just speak to the I don't microphone. think George knows how to use Twitter. Hello. Uh, can you hear me now? Can I please make my big announcement now? Everyone just... Hello. Just shut up, George. Can somebody just mute, George? <coughs> Dick, could you try not to cough on that? <coughs> okay, so how are we going to take out Trump, you guys? Uh, uh, guys from the FBI, this is not a private call. This is a public Twitter space. Everyone can listen in. God damn it. That's especially hilarious considering a lot of conspiracy theories turned out to be true with the recent documentation coming forth where they did collude without evidence against him. Rather, the evidence against Trump with the Russia stuff turned out to be bullocks and they knew it, but they still fed it to the media and ran with it. Uh, anyway, guys, we uh, invited everyone to this uh, this Twitter space so Governor Ron DeSantis could... <coughs> everyone just shut the hell up so I can make my announcement, okay? You go, girl. Wait, the... He actually has more energy in this video, so perhaps that's how you know it's fake, is Ron actually... His inflection went up because he spoke up, unlike his actual announcement. Devil is gay? So what? Everyone in this call is gay. I Guys, can we please just calm down? <coughs> <coughs> So anyway, guys, I just wanted to announce that I'm... Okay, I can hear the governor very well. Shut, shut up, up. Would George. you please shut up already? I, I'm running for fucking president, okay? Yeah, we kind of already know about it. We already know, governor. Congratulations, governor. <coughs> uh, well, that concludes our Twitter space for today. Thank you to all of our... Hold your horses, Elon. The real president is going to say a few words, 
the devil, I'm going to kick your ass very soon. Hitler, you're already dead. Dick Cheney, sounds like you'll be joining Hitler very soon. Klaus Schwab and George Soros, I'm putting both your asses in jail. And Ron DeSanctimonious can kiss my big, beautiful 2024 presidential ass. Trump 2024, baby. Let's go. Now in terms of pop culture and meme culture, that pretty much knocked it out of the park. And it is trending popular on the Twitter sphere as people are just laughing left and right. So, again, perhaps a brilliant political move, which is somewhat a rare thing these days for politicians. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Los Angeles offices. They're at an all-time record vacancy. Now, vacancy, for those who never learned because they went to public school, vacancy is defined as an empty space. It's a noun, an unoccupied position. Their vacancy rate is 30% for offices in Los Angeles. 30%! And this came to my attention because someone posted it on the, the LinkedIn. And this person was like, oh yeah, it's just due to remote work. I read the whole article, which is more than most people can say. But they said that this whole issue is because of remote work. Really? That's why LA has so few businesses and offices. Couldn't be because of the rampant drug use, the overburdensome taxes, the high cost of living, the crime that's through the roof? Could, no, no, no. It's just because of remote work, you see. And within this week, we've had a couple of businesses, again, moving from California to the land of the free, also known as Texas. And this is a business blunder, especially because those real estate companies, if they were at all prudent, they would be telling those politicians to turn this crap around actually make incentives for businesses to move there, as much, much smarter states have done. There's a reason more businesses than you can count are moving to Florida and Texas. It's not just because they have a zero income tax. However, that is a brilliant decision from a political move because, again, it gives people extra incentive to move here, thereby giving you a greater quantity of people who are, again, they're all going to pay a sales tax of 8.25% in Texas. They're also going to pay a property tax. They have gasoline taxes. There's enough taxes to tax you to death, unfortunately. Slightly less so, though, in those areas. But if you're a real estate company and you're in Los Angeles, you should be finding out a way to fix it and tell those politicians, hey, you're scaring the living daylights of all of these businesses, all these prospective occupants, and also lawsuits. There, there are a myriad of reasons that make it difficult to do business in California. And yet... They think it's just remote work as why they didn't have. So if they are prudent businesses, those real estate companies in Los Angeles, they shouldn't just be prospecting. It turns out you know, every company should be always trying to increase their sales with cold calling, emailing, other social media initiatives. If you need IT, reach out to Topping at toppingtechnologies.com, speaking of. But they need to get more involved in terms of the reasons that people are really leaving, which of course is political. People aren't safe there. People can't make a living there. It's the burden for a company to actually make a profit is huge because again, of all the reasons I previously said. So those real estate companies need to get involved, make, make their voices heard and really change the equation and change the formula so businesses are fighting to get there like they are in other states and other cities where there's such high, so much competition, they actually have to outbid each other to get some real estate in those areas. You're not seeing that in Los Angeles. It's the complete opposite. So, yeah, 
Needless to say, that is the business blunder of the day. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. All your feedback greatly is appreciated as we continue to make the show better and better. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.